We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Dynasty Recast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at Underdog Fantasy, your home for best ball, pick 'em, and more. Make sure to tune into the rest of the show and get your 100% deposit match with our secret code. You'll never guess what it is on Rotoviz Radio. Uh, week five in the books. Week five is in the books. Dan Sanyo. Dan Sanyo is my partner in crime, and he is joining me this 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 afternoon as we record. Dan, how are you? I'm I'm good. It's actually the morning still. Uh, not sure if you're aware of that. Not not if you had the morning I had, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, me finding out all my kids are going to the doctor and not school was was a fun transition. But yeah, we're we're here. Uh, you know, things are starting to to heat up a little bit. Uh, fantasy players are starting to look a little bit more like fantasy players uh, as they kind of always do after a few weeks, especially now with essentially no preseason. Nobody plays in the preseason anymore. Nobody practices. It seems like everybody just gets free days uh, to make sure they don't hurt themselves before they get to hurt themselves during a game by not practicing. Yes, injuries are abound. Backups are in play. Backups to backups are in play. Something called a Skylar Thompson is playing football. Something called a Bailey Zappi is taking Mac Jones's job. Maybe I should put that on the on the ticker. Maybe I will as I'm talking about it right now. But. We are going to start off with the bane of the fantasy industry now. The thing that is ruining fantasy football in all shapes, swords, and sizes, it's Taysom Hill, boys and girls. Taysom Hill was a problem because Taysom Hill shouldn't have been a quarterback. Like Taysom Hill does, does deserve to be a fantasy asset, a player that you could play in your fantasy lineup. Granted, he's not a quarterback, so he shouldn't be a quarterback and or played within the quarterback sphere. But the the change that the fantasy industry as a whole made in the 2022 offseason of making him a tight end is making less and less sense by the day. The, the tight end change, I think, was based on the fact that I think that uh, the Saints coach called him an H-back, essentially. And they're like, okay, H-back equals tight end. 
but he isn't playing the tight end role. And the bigger problem here is that it was a disadvantage to Taysom Hill managers when he was a quarterback because he wasn't a quarterback. And now it is way too big of an advantage for Taysom Hill managers to have Taysom Hill in the tight end spot because he's not a tight end and tight ends score the least out of quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends. So what are your thoughts? I, I know that most of us play on the My Fantasy League platform and they do not do position changes in season. Therefore, we're kind of out of luck with what's going on with Taysom Hill at the tight end position. But I guess let's weigh on on, do we think he becomes a running back? At, for, go from H-back tight end to H-back running back in 2023 in, in most platforms? Do you think that ESPN, Yahoo, et cetera, is going to move him to running back now? What is the fantasy position for Taysom Hill other than removing him entirely from your league? Well, considering he has as many pass attempts as he does targets and the same number of catches as he does completions, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he sounds like a a tight end to me, to be honest. No, Um, he's, yeah, he's an H back, but he's a running back because he only carries the football at this point. However, he's taking essentially every snap in Wildcat, so giving him the option to throw if he chooses so. I think he splits out wide on some extremely low percentage uh, of his snaps, and he's only playing 30% of the game max. I think I think this week was the most he's played, and he played 20 snaps. So we're... The thing is, when Taysom's on the field, you know he's getting the ball, essentially. I mean, he had he had 20, 23 snaps this week, and he had nine carries and one pass attempt, totaling four touchdowns and 140 yards. So should he be a tight end? No. Should he be a quarterback? No. Should he be a running back? Probably. But my easier solution, Nathan, and this goes back uh, a little ways, back to, you know, vulturing prime Alvin Kamara touchdowns. Let's just get rid of him. Let's take him completely out of the fantasy realm. <laughs> he doesn't get to be drafted. He doesn't get to be on teams. We we just we make an example out of him and we chalk a big W up for the fantasy community. OK, and so before we close the book on, on Taysom, he's not exactly a player that has trade value set. You mentioned the limited snaps, but in dynasty right now, Theoretically, he has value for the rest of the season. So are you if if you're trying to acquire Taysom Hill or if you're trading away Taysom Hill, are you are you factoring in that he's a running back in 2023 or are you just assuming he's going to stay a tight end? Like where where is that in terms of your trade values? Because I think it's a huge differentiator in trade value. Taysom Hill at tight end is a legitimate fantasy asset. Taysom Hill at running back is probably like an RB4. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're lucky, I, I think. I think if he stays tight end and we hear any sort of like statements, oh, we're not changing this. And, and I know MFL doesn't change in season. I get that. But if, if everybody comes out and says, well, he's an H back and that's not an RB, that's more of a tight end, even though he's he doesn't split out wide, he doesn't get targets. I, 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 I don't know what to do with that. I think if he stays tight end, which he won't because he shouldn't, then, yeah, I mean, he's he's essentially a top five tight end if this continues and he's getting, you know, five carries a game because they're all in the red zone and he has six touchdowns, one of which is a passing touchdown. Yeah. And so, and that, that, the clear differentiator between Taysom Hill in the last couple of weeks and Taysom Hill, you know, at the beginning of the season or, or even last year 
was the Jameis Winston factor. When Jameis Winston's playing, they're not taking Winston off the field for Taysom Hill to get 30% of the snaps. It's because Andy Dalton is not good, and they're like, okay, <laughs> let's find any possible way to get Andy Dalton off the field. And so I think that the question of are you starting Taysom Hill this week at tight end, A, is it do you, do you, like, do you have one of the upper echelon tight ends of like a Kittle or a Pitts or whoever, um, like assuming Pitts is healthy, like I'm still starting those guys over, over Taysom Hill. But – Taysom Hill is still a tight end right now. The question is, is James playing? If James isn't playing, like I'm convinced continue. I understand that even without James in the lineup, that he's still a very low floor play. But when you get a 48 point week out of a tight end, like that is a league winning week every single time. So not saying that's going to happen ever again for Taysom, but still outside with Taysom as a tight end, he has much more upside than any other tight end that's being, you know, ranked as like a tight end, like six to 12 range. I'm going to play just a small amount of devil's advocate, and I, I'm already hating myself for doing this. But is he low floor considering his touch percentage to, tar- to, to snap percentage? Yes, he's not playing the game at all, but when he is, he's getting the ball at like a 50% clip. Sure, but like in London, he played like three snaps and he scored a touchdown on one of them, and that was it. Like that, you know, it there's still very much the volatility of like, he might just not be in the game plan. Like the, this past week was the extreme example. He was very much in the game plan. Right. My, my point is that yes, he's barely playing, but he's getting all of his volume in the red zone or drawn up plays specifically for him to do something like throw a 20 yard touchdown pass. Like he did Mm -hmm. against Seattle. And again, they're not going to be playing Seattle every single week, but even though they did play Minnesota, he had five carries for 20 yards and a touchdown. Like that's not, that's not, that's horrible for a running back. Well, not horrible, but it's bad for a running back. That's great for a tight end. We'll take yeah. those eight, eight points every day of the week. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the JTS Jets, specifically their rookie running back who was drafted round two, pick four. Brees Hall. Brees Hall has actually been a much higher floor player than I anticipated this year, especially with Brees. Uh, Brees Hall has been splitting the load a little bit with Michael Carter, more so than I, you know you would like from a guy you drafted Brees Hall at 101, 102 range. But even despite splitting the work with Michael Carter, what he hasn't been splitting as much has been the receiving down work out of the backfield. And his his catch marks over the first few weeks are six one six two two, and one of those twos includes a one hundred yard and two touchdown or one hundred yard uh, on two target game. Uh, so he's scored at least ten PPR points in each of the first five games, capped off by a eighteen carry for ninety seven and a touch, two catches for one hundred twenty seven point seven PPR points for Brees Hall. I. Obviously, the, the 27 points is, is going to be around the ceiling, and it's not going to be something that, that happens with regularity. But I think that the floor has been in, in highly encouraging, and the fact that he's been so in, highly involved in the, the passing game shows that, you know, Brees Hall has the ability to maybe not get to like Christian McCaffrey territory, but to get to, like, you know, RB6, RB7 type, you know, redraft, RB6, RB7 type dynasty value. Yeah, I mean, the the Baltimore game and the Cincinnati game when he had 20 total targets for 12 catches and didn't really do much with it, but, I mean, that's 12 catches. That's that's three points. Um, I mean, those were the big games. The other ones, like you said, he had one catch and then two games with two catches, and Michael Carter is doing similar things through the air. The, the big difference is the floor increase of his rushing capacity at this point 
because he started the season averaging seven yards per carry or seven seven carries per game, sorry, through the first three games. And then the last two, he has 35 total between in the last two games. So I think the floor has increased by him getting the ball more between the tackles. However, I think this actually will hinder the, the passing usage a little bit because he's essentially been matched by Michael Carter, uh, not necessarily in the target share space over the last two games, but I think I think Brees has eight targets and Michael Carter has like six. So I think they're going to be working similarly through the air out of the backfield, but I do see Brees at this point just kind of taking over the lion's share of, of the carries, even though I believe Michael Carter is still probably going to be in that 10 to 12 touch per game to limit how many times Zach Wilson has to throw. I don't think that they want Zach Wilson throwing the ball 45, 50 times. I think they want Zach Wilson throwing the ball 30 times and taking advantage of these running backs that they've spent a decent amount of draft capital on now at this point. You know, they, they want to get them the ball. They want to take a little bit of the load off of Zach Wilson's shoulders until he's, you know, fully back, fully good. And, and he starts to make that progress where they do have faith in him throwing the ball 40 plus times. So, um, yeah, I'm still a little bit, uh, I'm a, I'm a little bit off on on these guys just because I don't think there's a ton a ton of value. But Bree certainly has has shown that he's capable, and and his value is going to be there. Um, Michael Carter, who I thought would dominate the first half of the season in touches, started uh, with a bang, and then now obviously Bree with the pure talent of you know advantage has has taken taken the backfield so that um that that's an interesting one i i think yeah the the floor the floor being heightened is is essential especially when you're talking about these young running backs but he's gonna fit right into the the mid to high-end rb1s pretty soon as from a production standpoint like you said i don't think he's gonna be in the christian mccaffrey territory but you know he he definitely can be up there um maybe mid to low end rb1 finish for this season if things continue on this path and and i mean that's only going to increase his dynasty value he'll probably be dynasty rb1 by the end of the season yeah i mean i think that the the primary concern with with hall's short-term value is going to be what's going to happen when a better quarterback starts out dueling Zach Wilson. Like the quarterbacks they have faced in recent weeks have been, you know, Kenny Pickett and Skylar Thompson and, you know, Joe Burrow has, hasn't played as well. Um, so, you know, what's going to happen if Aaron Rodgers is a good game, Russell Wilson never having a good game ever again, Josh <laughs> Allen in week, week nine, Josh Allen week nine, like that's not going to be a good game for Brees Hall. He's not going to get as much as many, Touches, maybe he gets some receiving work, but, you know, you can't project that higher floor from the rushing game in a game where they're, you know, going to be 10-point underdogs. Um, all right, let's move on to our next one. Um, Diami Brown, um, just in time, I did cut him in a shallow best ball. Oh, oh, oh no. I, in a shallow best ball dynasty league, I, I, I did cut him last week, um, so that was good. Um he has been a favorite of mine, uh, you know, as a college prospect, didn't really do much in his uh, rookie season and was doing exactly nothing up until week five of 2022. John Dotson was out in, in week five. So how much of the Diami Brown, you know, ascension is Dotson being out? How much of it is that, you know, maybe, you know, things are just finally connecting for him? Well, yeah, I mean, he missed the first three games or the first two games and played like a snap in, in week three. Uh, I don't think he was fully healthy, but 
Now week four, he gets four targets. Week five, he gets four targets. They looked a little bit different on paper. <laughs> Same number of targets. One went one for six yards. The other went two for 105 and two. Uh, so uh, to me, I, I think it's just a boomer bust play on Diami. Um, I, I still think Dotson is going to take precedent there. Obviously, Terry McLaurin is going to be their wide receiver one. And I think they continue to use Curtis Samuel as kind of that that underneath, out of the backfield guy. Um, cutting him wasn't the move, but uh, that I mean it's frustrating. It gets there, especially when he's essentially non-existent for the first month of the season and not really any sign of good things to come. And everybody else on the team producing. I think he essentially took Dotson's touchdown upside as Dotson had been the one scoring all of the touchdowns previously. And then now we, we have Diami stepping in and, and getting those, those looks. So um, not playing a ton of snaps similarly to Taysom Hill, but it seems like when he's on the field, he's getting good looks. Uh, he's really only going to be out there in three or four wide receiver sets, which is most of the time in the NFL now, um, mostly four wide receiver sets once Dotson is playing. So it, to me, it's a it's a really, really almost non-existent floor to a somewhat capped ceiling and more of a best ball asset. I, I I'm probably treating him more like a a poor man. Yes, he'd be he'd be a very nice player to have on a shallow best ball dynasty team. That would be a really good idea to yeah. have Diane Brown on that team. Um, so I'm gonna uh-huh. spend all my fab on that. Yeah, tell, um, me about it. tell me about it. <laughs> uh, Dan uh, and listeners, did you did you see uh, Ron Rivera throw? Uh, Carson Wentz under the bus, the mountain, the anything that you can possibly have under him or over him. Carson Wentz thrown under the bus with uh, the question was asked, what's the difference between you and the other NFC East teams? And he said, quarterback. <laughs> well, to be fair to Ron, I've been throwing Carson Wentz under the bus for years. So, uh, I mean, someone had to say it. he sucks. He randomly has big passing games when they're trailing or doing whatever they're doing. but. He he's not a, a true NFL starter. He never was. He never has been. He never was. He needs elite surroundings in order to do anything. Uh, he's got really great weapons right now. He's just bad. Well, well, he may be bad, Carson Wentz. You know, it's not bad. Getting involved with our friends over at Underdog Fantasy, and we're here to tell you all about it with pickums and best ball weekly tournaments, all those fun different things. And you can get involved with promo code ROTOVIZ, R-O-T-O-V-I-Z. Tell them about it, Dan. That's right. Obviously, we are in you know, week five, going into week six here. And so we don't have any of the season-long best ball stuff left. But like Nathan said, there's weekly pick-ems. You, you've got the over-under stuff in those pick-ems. There's uh, still the three, six, you know, the, the multiplayer uh, weekly drafts, which are an absolute blast to play. So there's so many options. Multi-sport. Any any anything you want to do, man, they've, they've got it. And it's so fun. It's so easy. And the best part is, is they're going to hand out free cash, Nathan. On your first deposit, up to $100 with underdogfantasy.com. If you use code ROTOVIZ, that's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, they're giving you up to $100 free on your first deposit. But, hey, that's free cash. That's that's free pickums. That's free drafts. Whatever you want, they're there for you all right underdogfantasy.com promo code rotoviz r-o-t-o-v-i-z underdog we love you 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, now it's time to get into some Seattle Seahawks news. Uh, Geno Smith, uh, they, they did lose to the New Orleans Saints due to the, the Taysom Hill you know, avalanche. But Geno Smith has looked like a competent NFL quarterback through the first five weeks. And that combined with the Seahawks maybe projected to probably win more games than we were expecting at this rate. The question becoming, is it Geno Smith long-term season for the Seattle Seahawks? Well, if it's going to depend on on what they're doing team-wise. If they continue to win two out of three games, they're not going to be in the running for a good quarterback in the draft. And unless, unless, well, unless, yeah, <laughs> Denver could Denver and, and Russ, you know, could be throwing to give his former team a better pick. So there is that potential. So maybe they're banking on the Broncos being awful, which they've been, and they're just going to say, you know what? We're going to throw everything we got at the league this year. We're going to try to sneak into the playoffs somehow. The NFC is garbage, so they can do it. But long term, I, I think, has to be defined. I would say of no more than two total years. And that's if the wheels don't fall off. We've never seen this Geno Smith before. Yes, the the New York Jets back in the day were absolutely atrocious when he was playing for them. But you also don't throw 12 touchdowns and 21 interceptions in a season and be like, oh, that guy's going to be good, I think. He's just never been that guy, but he's that guy this year. Gino is that guy. So I'm I'm curious to see how this continues to play out. Uh, I mean, he's looked I, I mean, he's looked like a top 10 quarterback this season, kind of how Jared Goff was looking for a little bit until the wheels all fell off this week. but. I, I think Gino definitely has kind of resurrected his career in, in, at the very least. And I think that we'll see him for probably all of next year, again, unless Denver gets into one of those really early spots. But maybe they take more of a project than a proven and let that quarterback sit. Because if they know that Gino is this Gino, they have to feel comfortable about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you that likely how how much Gino gets of a leash here has more to do with the the placement of the Seahawks and Broncos draft picks and that if they end up picking top five and have access to Bryce Young or CJ Stroud whatever even if Geno Smith has like 
a Dan Marino-esque season, <laughs> that might be a little much. Even he's if Dan pay, Marino, he's on pace for it. it. Even if Geno Smith has a ridiculous season, if they have access to one of the top two quarterbacks, they're likely going to end up picking one of them. Um, but if the Broncos and Seahawks end up picking in like the ten to fifteen range, which I think is probably the more likely scenario at this stage, then if that's where their picks are, I wouldn't be surprised for them to say, "All right, let's turn out one more Geno season, and then we can address it." in 2024. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, you know, in a super flex league, if you can get Gino for something around the free range, a third round pick or a couple thirds, I wouldn't mind investing if you really need a quarterback. Um, the other story coming out of Seattle is fractured fabula for Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny season is over. Uh, and that thus begins, you know, uh, Pete Carroll saying, this is why he drafted a, a running back in the, you know, uh, second round of Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, now the, the Seahawks RB1. Now, let's not discuss all the people who are saying, pick up Kenneth Walker and redraft. Like, that's actually even... <laughs> a th- like, yes, in 18, in 18 leagues, Kenneth Walker is available in redraft. Um, outside of that, Kenneth Walker was never available. He was, you know, in this exact situation where it's like, he's behind a guy who has a number of injuries, and he's one of the few RB2s where it's like, when the RB1 gets hurt, he's going to get a full RB1 workload, and that's Kenneth Walker. Um, so I was never the biggest Kenneth Walker fan, but I'm all aboard. He's going to get plenty of plenty of touches, plenty of targets, plenty of carries now at this point, especially in this like explosive Seahawks offense. Well, yeah, and, and you know, historically speaking, the Seahawks running back, whoever it's, has, it's been, whether it's Chris Carson or even Penny when he's healthy, going all the way back to the Sean Alexander days, Nathan, there's always production here, and with the draft capital, the the I mean, he's a solid prospect. I don't want to say he's a great prospect, but he is a solid. He was a solid prospect, and I I think Kenneth Walker can climb his way up. I don't think he's going to be in the RB one territory as far as dynasty goes, but I mean that's not really a a, a shot at him to be honest. I think it's it's more of just the perception of RB. Uh, if some of these second contract guys continue to not produce, even though most of them had a great, a great week five, uh, I, I think there's a real chance that Walker leapfrogs all of them and gets into that, you know, that top 12, 10 to 12 range. But uh, we we need to see it more consistently. We need to see him stay on the field, much like we needed to see Rashad Penny stay on the field. Because yes, injuries are random until they aren't. Until they aren't random anymore. We have to assume that they're random. Rashad Penny is not random. That man is made out of like a, a Fabergé egg or something. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited for Kenneth Walker. I, I I actually preferred him in the pre-draft process to Brees Hall, which was a mildly spicy take, I think, for a lot of people. But um, I I feel like what he does fits Seattle more than you know, then probably Rashad. I mean, Rashad Penny to me was, it is still a great between the tackles runner. One of the best. I think what Kenneth Walker can provide is a little bit more in the passing game and a not, not real far fall off between the tackles. So to me, this, this is going to be good to see. Um, and, and hopefully he helps Seattle and, and Seattle helps him. Gino continues to play that way and we see the production out of him. So I, I think we, we, Right now, put him kind of in the mid RB two area. If you want to buy, you'll probably have to buy as as uh, you know a high RB two price. But 
maybe we wait. Do you buy early until that price gets too high, Nathan? I mean, what what do we feel like as far as the price the Val goes? Yeah, I mean, my general take, I know I, I joked about this explosive Seahawks offense. Now is not the time when the Seahawks offense is an all-time high. Kenneth Walker is the RB1. I think that when we get into week eight, week nine, week 10, Geno Smith has slowed down back to, you know, what Geno Smith is. The Seahawks offense is scoring, you know, 18 points a game instead of 40. Then that might be the time to invest in Kenneth Walker. Right now, it seems like explosive young RB going to RB1 into an explosive offense. All of these things are, are making it so the price is going to be too too expensive to, to stomach at this point. So I'm not buying Kenneth Walker today, but I think there might be a buying window later in the season. But I'm also very aware that that window may never occur, which I'm fine missing out on. Okay, before we go to the next spot, just very quickly, Tyler Lockett. I mean, uh, Geno Smith has also resurrected Tyler Lockett, it seems. Are we, are we on contenders or just in general buying Tyler Lockett, or do we think his price has caught up? I, I mean, I'd give a second for him if I'm contending. Like, I wouldn't give an early second, but I wouldn't have an early second if I was contending. You know, so yada, yada. Like, I, I'd give any pick that was two or five or later, I'm, I'm fine giving. I, I don't think you're going to get him for that, most likely, unless it's a person who, d- like, doesn't want the points on their roster anymore. Sure, which is very possible. Uh, and then DK Metcalf, uh, do we think his price has kind of stayed where it was, or is he climbing back up? See, I, I I actually think more to the the problem with Geno winning them football games is that part of me my part of my pricing for DK Metcalf in twenty twenty two was the assumption that in twenty twenty three he'd have a new quarterback and hopefully a new good young quarterback and now they've played their way out of that so I, I think that his his price has stayed stagnant if not dropped a tiny bit from a long term perspective but in the short term like he's producing so that's good. Okay, so any any must haves on the Seattle offense. I mean, I, I, I'm still holding up the dream for no fan. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan is still buying no fan. If you have him on your teams in a league with Nathan, send him an offer. I don't know why I'm doing that. All right. <laughs> Next, New England Patriots. Um, yeah. So Bailey Zapp, Zappy, Bailey Zappy, Western Kentucky. He has, you know, almost won them two games. That doesn't really translate to fantasy. He scored seven points in week four against Packers playing most of that game, scored 11 points in a blowout of the Lions, did complete 17 to 21 passes for 188 touchdown and an interception. Do we need to start worrying about Mac Jones at all? Well, I mean, there's precedent here, Nathan. We've got (laughs) mediocre college quarterbacks that show up into Bill Belichick's offense and start producing. I don't know where that would have come from previously outside of I don't know, Mac Jones or uh, whoever the guy was there that was before New England <clears throat> or before Mac Jones. No, I, I don't think Bailey's half is going to be taking Mac Jones's spot anytime soon. You don't just give up on Mac Jones because he gets hurt. Um, however, this could become a Jimmy Garoppolo situation, though, depending on how long Mac misses or if he misses more time. And Bailey Zapp keeps playing, and, and, you know, if he's throwing it 20 to 30 times a game and completing 80% of his passes or even 70% of his passes, he's going to, they're, they're going to make him look good with that dumpster fire of an offensive roster, and they could work their way into more free value out of a quarterback that they have no use for. 
And I will say, if you get, if you can get a second round pick for Billy Zappi, uh, smash, 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 smash. Except, um, yes, uh, Dan is making it rain. And we we talked about the Patriots running backs last week. We talked about Stevenson and Harris, talking about how tempering expectations, but also still playing them in all your lineups. And now Damian Harris is, is projected to miss a couple of games with an injury. Which means that Ramondre Stevenson, granted, he, he has the body for it. Um, and Ramondre Stevenson is going to be a bell cow for a team that has Bailey Zappi at quarterback. So Stevenson's going to get 20-plus carries over the next few games. My general consensus here is that when Stevenson gets a couple games with 20 carries, 98 yards, a couple touchdowns, that's when I'm going to start selling and say, hey, this isn't going to last You know, past when Damian Harris comes back. That's possible. It's also possible that the Buffalo Bills say, hey, we'll take him when he's back. Because they are they tried to trade for Christian McCaffrey. That price might be a little too high. I feel like the price on Damian Harris might be decent. This could be, Nathan, the point, and I hate it because I'm a Damian Harris guy. This could be the point now where Ramondre has the opportunity to fully take over and he doesn't look back. And, and that's not... That's not there's not really precedent for that in New England. They always have multiple running backs going. But uh, I think the way that Stevenson looked this week, yes, it it was Detroit. I I understand that. But he looked dominant. And I I think I think if he continued to even play 80 percent of that throughout the rest of the season and he's got a lot of powder puffs coming up here as well. So. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of production in the short window that Harris is gone. And if when when Harris comes back, um, we'll see what that work share looks like. I, I think it'll kind of go back to a pretty decent split down the middle or one guy taking over a game, another guy taking over a different game. Uh, it, it seems to be going more down that down that path. But it'll uh, it, it'll be tough for Harris, I think, to get back in and, and take a bunch of looks i think if harris or i'm sorry if stevenson is producing and playing well they, they don't really have a reason outside of spelling him to give harris a ton of looks yeah i i think that it's my still projection is that it's a split backfield i don't know about trading him to the bills I mean, that's the thing um but i think that the opportunity to sell is definitely going to be there with stevenson with him getting the bulk of the carries while harris is out um, any interest in Pierre Strong while Harris is out? I was just about to say, who's ready for a Pierre Strong 20-carry game next week? Uh, I mean, not not really outside of like a stash. If he's free somewhere, which he probably isn't or shouldn't be in any deep rosters and short in, in shallower leagues, he's probably just sitting there available. I think you grab him up just in case he does have a big game and you can flip him for value. Uh, if Harris is around, he's going to be on, you know, making plays on the team. He's not going to be losing touches to Pierre Strong. But there's an opportunity here for Pierre Strong to become an RB2 for a short window and, and see what that looks like, how he looks with a, a real uh, workload. And, I mean, he, it was essentially drafted with the same pick that Ramondre Stevenson was drafted with. So who's to say he couldn't do it? All right, let's finish off with the Arizona Cardinals. They have been... 
a bit of an enigma. You know, they got some good, got some bad. But let's talk about their passing offense as DeAndre Hopkins is one game away from returning to the Arizona Cardinals offense after his six-game suspension. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, you know, he was kind of called that, like, low floor, high ceiling play in, in, in Baltimore. Well, in Arizona, he's had targets 6, 11, 17, 11, 10, catches 4, 6, 14, 6, and 8. High floor, high ceiling. He's had, you know, above, you know, 60 yards in all but one game. He's got 140 in this big game. So I'm a huge Hollywood Brown fan. I'm I'm not deterred by the return of DeAndre Hopkins. I think if anything, you know, you, you'll see a little bit more or a little bit less safety support, you know, double covering. Marquis Hollywood Brown with the, you know, with the return of, of DeAndre Hopkins. Are you worried about any uh, decrease in targets? I'm sure there will be a decent increase in targets, but how much does it matter for Hollywood Brown and his fantasy value? Well, it's going to be more on the on how efficient Kyler Murray can be because he, he's been, you know, mediocre. I, I guess the offense as a whole has just kind of been bleh, which is a really, really sophisticated term. Um, but essentially, you could put D-Hop in there and just, hey, Greg Dorch doesn't need 24 targets. Hey. AJ Green's 76 years old. He doesn't need 20 targets. James Connors out now. You know, Benjamin stepping in. Uh, we'll we'll kind of see what that looks like moving forward. But I think D Hop, I, I think there's enough just kind of essentially unused targets going for players that don't matter that he'll be able to essentially step into the offense and why not gather six, seven, eight targets per game? And Marquise Hollywood Brown can stay kind of in that same realm. Uh, he's averaging 11 per game right now. We might see that dip down to 9 or 10, which isn't a huge difference as long as he continues to make his plays. But we do need Kyler to be more efficient uh, and, and the offense as a whole to be more efficient. And I think DeAndre Hopkins, the one-man show himself, will help make the offense more efficient. I think he can start working more in that underneath that intermediate and allowing Hollywood to to kind of take the top off of the defense, if you will, Plus, you do still have Zach Ertz, who's going to help do stuff across the middle. And he's got 41 targets. I think Zach Ertz probably takes a bigger hit here than Marquise Hollywood-Brown will. Because I think D-Hop, now that he's getting a little bit more seasoned, I don't want to say old, because he's not old yet, but seasoned, I, I think we'll start to see him work a little bit more shallow, especially early on when he's not necessarily in game shape. Uh, I, I think it's good, obviously great for the offense to get a player like that back. But I think it helps round this offense out better. It'll help Kyler. It'll make everything more well-rounded. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, general consensus is that Hopkins will kind of be the RB2. I mean, RB2, the wide receiver two there. And that Brown has, has secured his way into being the wide receiver one. And he's obviously going to get the more valuable targets with those deep targets. And Hopkins going to get more of the third down work and things like that. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see because, you know, Hopkins didn't have the best 2021 season. And so we'll see how he's able to rebound and, and get football healthy in week seven, week eight. Um, but yeah, I think that the, the general consensus is that good for Kyler, slight bump down for, for Hollywood, and obviously, you know, gangbusters for Hopkins. Do we think Eno Benjamin has a more substantial role moving forward now, or is are these just going to be kind of one-off weeks? Is he just going to be kind of that that backup running back that well, is only playing twenty percent? It depends on the severity of the of the Connor injury. On uh, if Connor's going to miss a few weeks, I think that I think that 
Daryl Williams is more likely to be the RB2, okay? But when Connor's out, I think that Benjamin's more likely to be the RB1. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. But I think that in ga- in games where, where there is no Connor, I think we see more Benjamin. But I think that in games where Connor's still there, I think they, they're going to use a lot of Daryl Williams as that spellback. So for reference here, Eno has 30 carries on the season, Daryl Williams 16, which would make sense because Connor has been playing. Uh, but the targets are the big difference here for me. Eno Benjamin has 17 targets. Daryl Williams has five. I, I was hoping for big Daryl Williams things coming to this offense, especially considering what he was able to do in KC and how he looked when he had to be the lead back when he was able to just be a pass catcher. I think this backfield somewhat quickly might belong to Eno Benjamin, not necessarily because he's better. They just seem to want to use him more. Uh, he, you know, James Conner has 19 targets. Eno Benjamin has those 17. So they're, they're working somewhat similarly, uh, not necessarily like a 50-50 split, but Eno is not far behind and, and you know, carries or targets. So uh, that, that I think is something we probably need to keep an eye on and maybe even looking at buying someone like, Eno Benjamin for pennies while we can. Yes. His price is going to have gone up because of the Connor news, but I still think that it, the RB one in this situation, especially at 23 years old, if that is the, the pattern for, or the path for, Eno Benjamin, that could pay massive dividends if you can get in now. I'm not saying, you know, spend the farm, but, you know, snoop around. See if he's available. There's there's an outside chance he's on your waiver wire. He's definitely more on your waiver wire than Kenneth Walker ever would have been. But also, he's probably just sitting on someone's bench, and they didn't even know they had him. Yeah, for sure. All right, that should wrap us up for today. Any last words, Dan? Make sure you go to underdogfantasy.com, type in Roto, uh, Rotoviz as your promo code, get some free money with your first deposit, and yeah, let's look forward to week six. That should do it. Kadoosh!